0: Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Have a Little Insight. Hopefully it is nice and sunny where you are because it has been improving greatly in Ottawa. Thankfully, at least we can enjoy the sun with the rest of the unrest that's happening in the world. Um, Speaking of which, this week Ryan and I sat down with our friend Chantel to talk to her about all of the social justice issues that have been going on and to discuss with her what her experience of life has been like as a black woman. And our hope is to try and create a little bit more understanding and perspective from people's personal stories to just touch more people out there and hopefully create more great allies for not just black lives, but um, anybody that you see in the world who's being oppressed or treated poorly.
1: Yeah. I had a conversation with her one night over a couple board games and the conversation started to get a little more intense. So we we paused what we were doing and I just had this thought of, you know, we really should have her on. And I think it's just very important to get the perspective from somebody who is black and also a woman and just to see what that's actually like, just so we can fill in those mental gaps for ourselves and for our listeners.
0: So with that, welcome to episode eight of Have a Little Insight with Chantel.
1: Just so everyone knows as well, Chantel reached out to me and told me that she misspoke about Halle Berry receiving her Oscar. It was actually for the role in Monster Ball playing a woman in an interracial relationship. Just to kind of give everyone a heads up on that when you're listening.
0: everybody welcome back to have a little insight ryan and i are here with chantelle today chantelle why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself
2: about myself well (laughs) just to throw it on
0: you right off the top you know
2: (laughs) just give it give me the floor so i am a 41 year old aquarius who has lived her life in the arts um having many talents also dabbling Obviously, as an arts performer in the restaurant industry and then also working as a flight attendant for a, uh, you know, an interesting Canadian company. I guess what is most pertinent, we'll say about me at this particular moment, is that I am also living in a meat suit of a black woman. (laughs) And so, you know, I I feel like that what we're going to kind of chat about today is what it is like living in my skin. So that's a little snippet of me.
0: Thanks. Yeah, that's what we're hoping to chat about. Ryan and I, um, as we were talking to you before you came on the show, we really want to work on being the best allies possible and um, just getting different messages out there and creating more allies, hopefully, and openness and understanding around around what's going on in the world right now and social justice and Black Lives Matter. And Yeah. So thank you for taking the time and the vulnerability to put it out there and give us that perspective that Ryan and I can't really have.
2: Awesome. And thanks for having me because there's a lot of people that I'm definitely learning are not even willing to look through the lens of the other. And so, you know, as much as I'm really proud of this movement that's happening and I do feel as though... Because we've all been in quarantine for the last two and a half, three months, you know, we were able to actually see the injustices that were happening and people actually became outraged. And, you know, it's not cries that we haven't said before, um, but it's because everybody saw it live, and you can't ignore that. You can't go back to work, and you know something else can take precedent over it. And so, um, I appreciate you know having you two having the vulnerability to actually look at what has going been going on for the last four hundred years, and what your part has been within it, and you know how you might want to change um,
1: how you stand within it. So, thank you. Yeah, I guess for me looking at from a lot of different perspectives of what has been going on, like what black people have been saying, what white people have been saying, and then even people differing on something, even though I felt like they should be on the same side, you know, and just seeing everything that's going on from the outside. I I wanted to kind of dig a little deeper and just get it from the experience of someone that has had to go through something like that. And I feel like it just gives a little bit of clarity and, uh, I wanted to ask you about the video that you shared on your Instagram that you said you did for a class, I guess an acting class. Mm-hmm. And you it was, just, it was just titled, Who Am I? And I even found myself while watching it, like I had moments where I kind of laughed or smiled and then other moments where I kind of teared up a little bit. So mm-hmm. I was just curious what uh, spawned that uh, interest for you to even make that in the first place.
2: Well, really it was because uh within my class we were looking at um a film script called Babylon and it was talking about the early 1900 1900s 1920s about the shift from from silent films into um talkies and there was a character named Anna May Wong she's a real life person and she was Chinese American if I'm not mistaken and her what her role is was in the in that time was her performance was kind of poking fun at her her nationality her heritage and it's kind of like poke, making the joke about her before the other the audience would maybe call her out on you know some racist type thing and so she was kind of personifying her, her race in a way that was her taking kind of control of it. And so mm. our teacher was asking all of us to do our own uh, interpretation of who, how you would have a stage show about you that was kind of personifying what your experience was in the world. And so I just sat down and I wrote it <laughs> like I, I, I originally wanted it to be more of a limerick and kind of funny, but then it didn't become that because when I started asking the actual question is like, what would I be, you know, if I were to be making fun of myself or, or showing people who I really was, I actually realized that I didn't know who I was because I've always have experienced myself through the lens of the other. The lens of, you know, especially in the entertainment industry, the the white male gaze is what I've lived my life through. And I'm just going through it, who am I, who am I, who am I? I actually, I don't even know if I know right now who I am because I realize that for my entire life I've been, I've been essentially living a lie. I was thinking when when I was talk thinking about what I was going to talk about today, and I was like realizing that. From the moment that I realized that I was black, I've been trying to make myself not be the typical, stereotypical black person. So I wouldn't want to be proud of my roots, proud of my heritage, or even little things like my mom would want my brother to come hang out with me and my friends. And I didn't want him to come with me because I'd have to prove that... I was from a black family, but before I can assimilate and I can like, I can, I was the best at everything. So I was really smart. I was really talented. Um, and I could just hide. I didn't have to, um, face all the stereotypes and like, I could just kind of hide myself from a lot of the racism that I could get if I was too stereotypical. And so that's kind of the stuff that was coming up when I was writing it. It was just really like I don't really know who I am because I've always had to, in my, in, from my experience, feel as though I had to pretend to not be who I was because I didn't want to be the stereotype.
1: Right, because everyone just has these biases or these ideas about who they who they think you are, and then you're trying to, if if this is correct, to try to fit into those molds rather than be just owning who you are and showing, like, I am proud of my roots and this is who I really am. And Because there's a, there's a bit of a fear of judgment around that, I guess. Well,
2: tons of judgment. Um, It was funny that the card, that was actually, it was legitimate. I pulled the tarot card because I do read tarot cards as well. And I pulled the tarot card. And when I was just doing my initial draft, I actually pulled the tarot card. And judgment was legitimately what came up. And so it's interesting that you kind of said the judgment. It's It's really... You know, I think in that moment spirit was kind of speaking to me, being like, yes, it's part of the judgment, the fear of the judgment, but racism also can inspire judge a lot of judgment and me judging myself for who I, I'm repre- my, re- representing myself to be as well as what people expect of me. And so I always wanted to prove against stereotypes. But just even having things like people say to me like, oh, you're really pretty for a black girl. And I'm like that's something that I, that was said to me thousands of times, or, oh, you speak really well for a black girl, or, you know, it's just like little, little tiny, tiny microaggressions that I've, I've always had to just brush off and it, just make it be okay. But I also didn't want them to have more things that they could say about me, more things that they could judge me by. Um, and so, yeah, I just I realized when I was writing that I was kind of been living a
1: lie my entire life and I, I still don't even know who I truly am. Yeah, it's it's crazy powerful. And yeah, I guess it's just it's things like that that gets said that I guess I've even maybe heard people say it to other people when I've been in the group or around. But I just now I never really clued in to thinking of maybe I should say something or like that that it was totally off base. You know, like you wouldn't say that to it. You'd be like, oh, you're pretty for a white girl. You know, like, I just why why does there have to be a difference?
2: yeah I know you know I've cried so many times about things like that so Uh, many
0: times yeah people can't see me but as soon as you said that I was like shaking my head and rolling my eyes sorry just like it's 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 crazy how hard we can be on each other just as humans based on differences whether they're like even outside of that based on personality and gender and orientation and the color of your skin and like I wanted to touch on the fact that there was something, Ryan, you just said about not calling it out when somebody in the room would say something, for example, like you said, Chantelle, about like, oh, you're pretty for a black girl. And it's it's been the biggest part of the battle for me lately with everything that we're seeing with Black Lives Matter, as well as with the pandemic is when is that moment when something's not right that I use my voice to say something? And when is that time for me to speak up and say, no matter what it's about, whether it's about race or whether it's about any sort of inequality or something you're not doing that's for the betterment of other humans, when do I put my foot down, draw that line in the sand and use my voice and say, that's not right. It's time to stop. It's time to be different. It's time to be better. And there's a lot of things happening in the world But one of the things I've had to really start working and processing is my own ownership and that time when you use your voice, when you talk up, when you say it's not right. Because it's those little changes in a hundred different pockets that I feel like start to become a thousand and then start to become hundreds of thousands and millions. And the more people who are comfortable to speak up and put their foot down and be allies... Not even necessarily, I feel like in the way that we've been seeing protests, which we're seeing a lot of violence and a lot of more mistreatment from humans on other humans, which has been really personally, emotionally hard for me. But it's not right. It has to stop. We need to start being kinder and just operating from a place of more understanding. And I think we need to start using our voices in those little situations where it's just, it's wrong.
2: Well, even for me, I, I have not said something many 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 times like thousands of times when something made me feel uncomfortable when something broke my heart when something when somebody was unkind I had to just take it on the chin you know because I don't want to pull that race card because pulling that race card means that you know I'm starting a race war here and like It's part of like the systemic racism that is keeping everybody kind of oppressed and within the system is that we don't want to be calling out people for these things because it it means a lot. It says a lot. And, you know, I've definitely been someone that has not said, hey, I don't appreciate you making that racist joke. I don't appreciate you saying the N word. Why can't I say it? They say it in in rap music, in rap songs, and it's like, really, I had to give you a history as to what this word represents and means, and that the black community has been trying to take ownership back of that word that was used through hate, like it was a it was a hateful word, and so just even just little times when I could have said something, I didn't, and one thing that I feel liberated through this um, movement right now is the fact that I can't not say anything anymore. Once, if I hear something or see something, I, I can, it's, I, I'm compelled to say something because I've been silent for way too long. And the silence is what's created so much pain, you know, exponentially to so many people that it's over. Like I can't stop. I have to, I have to be an advocate. And that's kind of why I feel that I don't know what to post anymore because like my through line now is I wanna be an advocate. I want to support change. I wanna be part of the revolution. I want to be part of the educators. And it's just kind of hard to, you can't go back to doing what you were doing before if you have this completely new way of expressing yourself and being yourself in the world.
1: Yeah, and, and it it takes a lot of vulnerability too on on either end because you're putting it out there and saying, "Hey, like this is not cool" and putting a target on your back. And I the only hope that I have through all of this that's happening right now is that the momentum keeps going, that it doesn't just get forgotten like it's old news until something really bad happens again. And then it's like, oh yeah, we forgot this was a big deal. It's like, no, no, it is still a big deal and it needs to continue to be a big deal until it doesn't have to be anymore, until that discrimination is is gone.
2: Most most of us wanting to say something or being more uh, aware of when things happen that yes, it's, you know, I think I need to say something. I think that in itself is going to make a huge shift like the fact that I'm gonna be a voice and like I post something new daily that's either inspired me or has a good message or a good view. Like I feel like so many people are doing ways of inspiring people and I think, I don't think that the movement is going to settle down as quickly as others have in in my opinion.
1: Hmm. And the one thing that you touched on too is I, I was a little bit conflicted with making my own social posts about just saying like, you know, doing the black square and doing a post that just says black lives matters. I was trying to share things that I thought were useful or informative in my, in my story and not making it a part of my own like personal profile necessarily. But I think for me, I was just going in the direction of in whatever action I can take, whether it's, you know, I'm talking to a family member or a friend or an acquaintance or someone at work, or you see in the comments section, someone say something, and if it hasn't been brought up yet, then I, my, like my position is just to step in and, and be the person to say something, you know, and I think that's what a lot of people can do on an individual level and collectively it can build up.
0: Well,
2: I a hundred percent, I think that that's the best way for allyship, um, especially coming from groups that are not part of the, like BIPOC, um, or even LGBTQ, depending on what what we're looking at even yesterday I you know had had a really long and lengthy I don't know if it was a conversation but (laughs) bouncing off of opinions we'll say with um, someone who I I thought was my friend and Mm -hmm. she had um what I felt to be a problematic post being all lives matter and of (laughs) course I all lives matter to me I I that is what I, I am an advocate for and she continued to say, I, "I gave her, you know, resources as to why I felt like, hey, like this is why I find it to be problematic for you to say that, you know, here's some resources for anti uh, anti racist literature, like books, like just tons of information, and just being like, this is where I'm coming from." And she just came back with, with, to me with so much vitriol, and then her friends started bouncing on me, saying that I'm a horrible person, that I'm a bullying her, and that. And then it all kind of wrapped around to, what's his name, Carson, wait, Tucker Carlson, who's basically the advocate for Fox News right wing, like all of his perspectives. And I just realized that it's actually bigger than educating sometimes. Like I can't do the educating. And this one, white older white woman came in and she was like I stand behind you Chantel like I'm going to help talk to her about this and she was kind of you know giving her own messages and this and that but she was so entrenched with this right wing perspective of Fox News that it was actually really scary that she could she could not see the light at all if you don't know who he is i remember when obama was um like the whole presidential like, running that whole time before he was actually elected. And he had just such vitriol to, like, the Black community, like, everything. He's just, I just don't find him to be a kind person. And he hides all of his thoughts under the Constitution. And, like, it's my my rights to be able to have freedom of speech. And, anyways, that's when I first learned about him. And the fact that people nowadays that are part of my friend circle actually still really appreciate and enjoy his and or support his comments, I was I was floored. And I actually like, I went to bed crying last night because I'm like, it's it's just such a, a fight. And he has so much power and he has so much privilege that people that aren't willing to look at themselves just look at him for support and the message of hate just continues. So I don't know if you if you guys have ever seen any of his Fox News things, but he he came for Elmo He's came for Elmo on his special on Sesame Street about racism. He was saying that Elmo's teaching hate. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> you guys have to just like look him up just to understand who he is. Because like, it's just shocking to me that somebody that's my age, that's in my circle, that's supposed to be my friend, has has his views and are unshakable. They are, these views are unshakable.
1: Shocking. Yeah, I'm definitely not familiar, but I will have to look into him now because I'm curious. And I, I tend to uh, go to alternative media sources. I listen to other podcasts or I find blogs or, you know, and I try to get a, a little bit of a variety of, of perspectives before I really make up my own mind sometimes. And yeah, at Fox News, I've always just, they've always <laughs> been the butt of the joke, you know, <laughs> like Fox News is terrible.
2: <laughs> Do you guys know Ann Coulter? no okay so in similar vein but like if you just look up either of them you're just like how anybody could be you know rah 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 to either of these two is is shocking in this you know supposed to be woke society and so
0: yeah <laughs> take a look i think that's part of a big part of what the lesson has almost been is ryan and i were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and to me the most like the most upsetting part is the amount of violence and stuff that is necessary for people to start listening right now this is a long game it's been a long game for a long time when you look at anybody who's been oppressed starting with women we've i've talked about this a lot since the social justice started but women have been able to vote in canada since 1918 and we are still living in a patriarchal dominated society white patriarchal dominated society Mm -hmm. and Things are progressively getting better, but they take a long, long time. And this is something I agree with Ryan that can't go away overnight. That can't just dissipate. I feel like I'm losing the real point of what I was gonna say right now, but I just, you can't understand what it's like to be oppressed. And I feel like you shouldn't get an, like obviously people are oppressed because of these people, but it just angers me. Like you haven't been oppressed. You haven't experienced it. You haven't been like, just in a way that I can relate as a woman. You haven't been catcalled on the street. You haven't been grabbed inappropriately. You haven't been put down for your sexual orientation as a gay woman, as I identify. Like, you can't comment. You're not oppressed. So stand there, show your support, and let people have the podium who know what they're talking about. And that's kind of how I feel. I just wish that right now we could see it in a less violent, destructive way. And I know that's not all of the protesters, I know that's not all that we're looking at. There are always people who want to come in and they want to start a ruckus, and they're like, oh, there's all these people, oh look, I'm just going to break this window and take this. And it gives a bad rap, but let the passionate, smart, kind people talk and talk up because they've been oppressed for a long time and they deserve to have a voice. 100%.
2: Like, and uh, obviously, I would love for these things to be resolved in a peaceful fashion. But I also do understand, like, we live in a world of polarity. And so the amount of pain that they've been experiencing, this is a complete counter as expression of what they've been going on internally that they've not been allowed to have voiced. You know, it's just as much as i would prefer peaceful protests like i understand why the riots are happening for people that have built we're, we're speaking mostly of uh, you know north america you know they, it was built on the the slaves that was like stolen from their land and treated like animals to build this this society that you know you have they have control over and so you know the the buildings and the the looting all of that was never theirs to begin with and so staying within the confines of the society that they want everything to be like well you know you have to act like a proper citizen and this isn't if this is bad you're not supposed to do this it, they're just trying to break free from the oppression that they felt from this structure the system that they built and i wish that it could be done a different way but through riots yes being uncomfortable it's actually the only way that they feel that they can be heard. With a former friend of mine, he was complaining about Trevor Noah. You may you may know him. He's um, The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. He had a really poignant post I found that just spoke about why the riots were happening, and I felt that he it was a, it, he presented it in a way that was easy to understand, and I didn't feel like anybody could object what he was saying and why where the, these people were coming from and I had someone who I thought was a friend and an ally be like telling me that what his words were were wrong and I'm like well I wouldn't have presented this if I didn't think that I agreed with this statement and this is a he's a gay man and he's um he's from Poland and so he, he he was comparing it to being made fun of when he was you know younger from being from Poland and I understand that bullying and stuff like that happens to many children And so I'm not trying to discredit the fact that he's gone through similar, you know, injustice. But the fact that he couldn't see why they were rioting, and I even compared it to Stonewall being like, you know, they threw that brick and the riots happened and it became the the point of liberation for the LGBTQ community. Like, it it shifted and it mucked things up so much that they had to be heard and things had to change. And his response to that was, well, the Stonewall riots weren't that bad. were not as bad as it is right now. <laughs> what? And so as much as like, I don't want anybody to be hurt. I want everybody to operate through love. I want, you know, to see on the other side, I want to see that happen. But we have to go through this icky, yucky, mucky like representation of what the oppression has caused people to feel it necessary for them to do. Like this is, this is not asking permission. This is what they are compelled to do just to have their voice be heard. And they don't care about the structures of society because the structures of society doesn't care about them, my
1: opinion. (laughs) No, that's definitely a fair point. And it's, it's something that I didn't really think about in that way. And it makes sense. I, I, I think part of me is just like it's unfortunate that's going to that length of rioting has to happen. But I just also felt like there's a reason for it. And obviously with with anything that breaks out to this extent, there's going to be some casualties, unfortunately. But it's one of those, you know, like a breakdown has to happen for there to be a major breakthrough because everything that's been happening so far hasn't worked. So it's like you pushed us to our last ends almost.
2: Like it's a cry for help, and it's it's a loud cry. And, mm-hmm. and I think some part of it being so uncomfortable is because, like, how can be, people be so hurt that this is the way that they, they retaliate? This is their response. Like, they can't even... They don't even want to be part of a society anymore to listen to the rules that have been built. Like, it, it's just... It, it's just, wow. Like, it's it's kind of awing. Like, that that's the amount of pain that they've been going through. And I can... I can contest to it for sure, like, if I were to really, really allow myself to experience what I've gone through my entire life, I don't, like, I might act out irrationally or violently but, like, I've trained myself so well to not have any outbursts, to not be conceived as the an- angry Black woman, to not, you know, speak explosively. Like, I, I keep that all in for sure. And, like, I, I wonder even if for myself, if, I, were, uh, if I-, I allowed myself to really express how I feel, how I would react. I
1: don't know. I-, I would definitely say, speaking for myself personally, that this has all been a very eye-opening experience because... I I wanna be as a as an open and accepting person as I can be to a lot of people, but I still had this like kind of knee-jerk reaction, like, why are they so upset? Like why do they have to go to these lengths to do these things? You know, like this it's it was just emotionally upsetting, but then I just try to take a step back and understand like how it even got to this point in the first place. And I don't know if you guys have heard of the show called A Hundred Humans, that's on Netflix. No. But, so it's these three scientists that all do these experiments, they just picked hundred humans of all different ethnicities and gender and age, and one of the things that they did was they put them into two groups, and in one room they had people who looked more socially unattractive, like they have that typical look of a criminal. And then they told them what the crimes were that they did. And then in the other room, they had the exact same crimes, exact same name. But the only difference was these people were more attractive, like model type photos, right? They were just actors. And in every case, they got sentence. In most cases, half. And they said things like, well, this person looks, you know, the less attractive person, this person looks really dangerous and they probably are up to a bunch of other stuff. And if we keep them in jail longer, then they're off the streets. But then the more attractive person, like this woman was, she basically left her baby in a car and it died because she wanted to go in and have a drink at the bar. And because she was attractive, they were like, oh, you know, this poor girl, she probably didn't know what she was doing. She's on hard times, you know, like maybe she just needs to go in and like have a couple years to learn a lesson and then she'll, she'll be okay. Like she's going to have this on her conscience forever. And that right there, like just blew my mind instantly. Cause like it shouldn't matter what the person looks like, you know, necessarily. And it just made me realize how many biases that we can carry around towards different people based off gender or race or sex or age. So it's, it's insane.
2: Like even with working within the film and television industry, like it's actually <laughs> it's not shocking to me, but it could be considered shocking, like how how much racism and social biases are are what it's founded op- upon. You know, I can tell you every single audition, like especially when I was living in Vancouver, um, I knew that my role was just to fill in the color. So I would only be cast for roles like nurse, cop, doctor. And I was even told that I would never be the lead on anything, I would never be able to, that that was not something that would be possible for me. Um, they didn't say specifically because of my color, but I would say it specifically because of my color. Or because I'm not, I wasn't American, because they generally would be like, oh, she's not hood enough, or she doesn't speak with Ebonics enough. Or I even did a, an audition for CBC Canada, and it was about the 1920s Vancouver, and they were looking for an African Canadian woman accent, an African Canadian female accent. And I'm like, most Canadians. I mean, some did come from the the slave trade through the the railroad, so there are some African. Americans that came to Canada for sure but generally speaking most black Canadians are from the Caribbean so I don't have necessarily the direct African American experience having direct slave trade in the American North American mind like uh, who knows what happened in Jamaica to my mom's family because she's part Scottish and so I'm sure there's a lot of things that happened when the Scots came to Jamaica and took over that land but you know that's just a different story, and so the fact though, that they're asking for an African Canadian accent, I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. Am I supposed to be Jama- part Jamaican or am I supposed to be from the South? Like, I like I I literally did not know what they were asking of me, and this is Canada, like CBC Canada, do your research a little bit, and so. That is something that I've experienced, obviously, you know, not being black enough, being too, too black, my skin being too dark, my hair not being the type of hair that they want to have. And speaking of hair and makeup, when I go to set, there is not a black makeup artist that has any makeup my color. So they usually would say to me things like, oh, your skin is smooth. Like, you don't need, you don't need much touch up. Like, oh, um, can you come with your hair done? because we don't have the products to be able to work with it. So, I'm getting hired to work a day on set and they don't even have the people hired the people that can take care of my my skin and my hair. And that was definitely my experience all throughout working in Vancouver. Even I went to a photographer when Groupon first started out and there's like, "Oh, I'll get some new photographs and some in a new city." and i went to get my photograph taken by this woman she's like oh i'm not really sure how to do this like i've never photographed a black person before and i was like okay great like mm.
0: what
2: you know it's just we even in the indus- entertainment industry we've been so conditioned to uh you know the the white person it's kind of like you know being left-handed in a right-handed world like you don't really notice that everything is not meant for you unless you're experiencing it like I have, nothing's meant for me they're not expecting to hire me they're not expecting me to be part of their show they don't even care whether like I'm there or not because they don't even they don't even take the time and consideration to have someone to come on set that day that can take care of my hair and makeup you know and so it's an oversight yes but it's 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 something that I never spoke up of, about until now so maybe in the future that that will change but you know, these are just tiny little things that happen on my in my daily life working as an actor in, in Canada.
0: I think it's great that we're talking about this for many, many reasons, but something that just really hit me is because you talked early on about Anna Mae Wong, and I actually just watched Hollywood on Netflix. I don't know, but that's how I found out about her. That's why I was familiar with her. And then you see on that show they have a lead um, Woman of color, she takes the lead. Well, spoiler alert for anybody who's hasn't watched Hollywood, okay? But anyways, I don't
2: want to watch that episode too.
0: (laughs) Anyways, if 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 you haven't seen it, maybe you want to hit pause right now. But the lead actress ends up being a woman of color. They fight for her. She wins the Academy Award. We see shows like Grey's Anatomy where they don't cast based where they say that they don't cast based on ethnicity, based on color um, outside, I guess, based of gender, and then. We see people like Kerry Washington playing the lead on Scandal and things have gotten better and things have gotten progressively better, but to hear your experience, it's very clear that it's not better enough. And that's the big takeaway for me here is we have seen gains and we have seen improvement and those things are good, but it's not enough because the improvements we're being shown are not really as vast or as well improved as we might think they are, especially if you're not part of that community. It's like you said. I think your analogy of being a left-handed person is the perfect analogy, well, for people who are left-handed, everything's made for right-handed people. I have lots of left-handed friends, it doesn't work for them, the pen smears, it sounds small, but the way that you compared that to living in a world where everything's not made for you or you're not considered, to me, that's the home run analogy right there. And
1: that's what hmm. the
2: Black experience has been for myself and and others that I've, I've spoken to. It's like... We are just trying to fit in and have our voice be heard, but we're not even really a consideration you know we're an afterthought and so it, it is it is it has been really hard and you know, I haven't done i would say my part into making the change, but like i i I'm standing by that from this point forward, I'm going to be part of the change, you know. Kerry Washington, like as much as like amazing, I love seeing um, her on TV. She's beautiful. She's a great actress. Like all, all of the above, Any, anything uh, glowing accolades I can say about her. But then she's also still playing. Oh, this is another spoiler work. Who is having an affair with a white president? You know what I mean? And so, like as much as like great role, I would say yes to it, of course. Like she's still not even like being a, an esteemed character. She's kind of being like a, a like a dirty secret. You know. And so it, it's just interesting, though, also, you know, even what's her name? Holly Berry. She wins her Oscar for playing a crackhead. You know, like it's just, you know, the roles that are getting accolades, you know, the help, you know. And yes, it, it is represented, uh, representative of our, you know, our culture and our society and what the experiences have been for these women. And they have gotten accolades for these roles. But that's not necessarily my experience. Like, I haven't you know, lived through slavery. I haven't, I don't see my story out there. And it, it, these women that are getting all these awards and, and applause are kind of for kind of stereotypical characters that is tropes of the black woman, you
0: know?
1: in the, uh, It's time for some new stories.
0: <laughs> only if you're comfortable as well, but in the interest of creating just like a little bit more perspective for people or maybe opening people's minds really early on in the conversation you talked about the experience of like the typical white male gaze. And I think it's pretty implicating, but I'm just wondering if you would like to speak to that a little bit more and what that experience has been like, or what you think about that. If you're, if you want to say hard pass, we're, I'm cool with that too, but. I won't
2: try, but I will. I guess I can rope it up into maybe one experience that I had. Um, I was living in Montreal and there was a bunch of big group of us were at a party and it was, he was a writer, white man, really. I didn't know him. He's not particularly attractive in, in my eyes, whatever. And so the party, the after party moved from his house and it moved to my house. So a few of us came over to my house after. So it's pretty early in the morning. We ordered like some food and takeout or whatever and everybody left and he stayed. And so I'm, thinking completely naively about what the circumstance was going to be. And I gave him froggy, like flannel pajamas. Like I wasn't interested in him any other way. And like he was too drunk to be able to get home, whatever. So I was letting him sleep on the couch innocently in my, in my mind. And so I go to bed in my room and gave him the, the pajamas and stuff. And he opens my door and comes into my room butt naked with a fucking heart on and i screamed and i said ew and he proceeded to get mad saying that how dare you you fucking n-word to say ew to me like 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 you would only be so lucky for you, for me to be want to even have to touch you and just belittling me race-wise and for the fact that I, I wasn't excited about having a sexual experience with him and it got pretty violent. Um, I didn't end up being raped by him. I was able to get him out of my room, but like he proceeded to break my, my computer because he's like, fuck you for having this computer. Like, anyways, it was pretty, I, I had to do some fancy footwork with like bringing him down and not actually hurting me, but The fact that he felt that because he was a white man, he could have me whenever he wanted to. And when I wasn't interested, it was, I was like, who, 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 how dare I not be interested in him? And I never said anything about it. I finally was able to get him out of my house and I didn't tell anybody. I didn't go to, you know, the union. I didn't, I didn't press charges. I just... I didn't tell. I just stayed silent. I think I told one person and and now you. And so that is kind of what part of my male gaze experience is that I should be even lucky to have a white man consider me to be attractive
1: because I'm less than. Yeah. I just, I don't even know what to respond to that <laughs> right now, but I just, I didn't want to think that stuff like that actually does happen and we also had my sister come on to talk about the labels around sexual trauma, and it's, it's a very heavy subject matter. And I think, you know, the fact that you didn't tell anybody, it's even though it is hard, it is good to get those stories out there because then other people become aware that they're not alone, that, you know, there's probably other people that it, something similar might have happened to you, and now they might feel like they can, they can bring it up.
0: Absolutely.
2: And like um, another friend of mine, I kind of told her just like some loose experiences that I've had in my life. I'm like, I've been spat on. I've been called the N-word like a thousand times. I've definitely, you know, had to avoid rape multiple times. And she was just like shocked because she doesn't necessarily see me as a person that has experienced what the people that are rioting have experienced. And I'm like, oh yeah, I have. (laughs) I have, I just, mm-hmm. it hasn't been maybe as constant or I haven't felt that I could lash out in the way that
1: they have. You mentioned as well that with your work, that there, you've had some experiences within that. Like, I don't know, you, I, you don't have to put any names or anything, but just that you don't want to go back because there was people that even you thought were your friends make comments
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of them was the the Stonewall um, gentleman, you know, and then he also is outraged about. The potential of changing a street not name the street name Dundas. People have been petitioning to change it because they it, it was the name of a slave owner that was against abolishing slavery, and so he continued on with slavery for over 15 years after it was abolished in most other parts of the world. And so Henry Dundas, you know, I w- would think of him not to be a figurehead of. Toronto um or well actually probably much all Canadian cities I think have a Dundas street within them somewhere and you know people want it to come down because of what it represents it represents a lot of pain slavery was definitely not a good time and he also didn't want to acknowledge he's like well it's just a street like it's gonna be so annoying to have to like like learn a new street name and he he's like enough is enough like, of like that, this is your breaking point? Is a street name? Is enough? Is enough? And so I found that, like, it was a bunch of people that I worked with that agreed with him. And I just, like, I can't pretend that I'm not offended by the fact that a street name is more important than a representative, like, a, a man that represents so much pain that people have gone through. Like, having the street name stays the same is more important than a person's life and heart and family history. And it's just, there's a lot of people where I work that agree with him. And I just I just don't want to be educating in close proximities on a daily basis for them to just say, like, oh, it's just an opinion. Like, I'll have my opinion, you have yours. I'm like, this is actually not an opinion anymore. I feel like it's, like human compassion here. And yeah, I just don't know if I can go back to working on an airline that has a lot of people that have that view. And then even in a restaurant where, you know, I've had to laugh at all the racist jokes and laugh at, you know, I just don't want to, I just don't want to laugh at the jokes anymore. I don't want to feel as though I have to educate when I, when every single time that I feel that like there's been an injustice or if they're saying something that I feel is to be offside before I would just close my mouth, put my head down and just let it, you know, fall off my back. But I just, I can't do that anymore. So I just don't think that I'm going to be complicit enough to be able to go back to the other workplaces, my side hustles. I
1: don't think I can do it. It's, you won't be able to ignore it anymore. Exactly. So I wanted to well, I, I wanted to touch on too, like when people say the all lives matter, it's like, well, yeah, like obviously. But right now, the, the focal point is on the fact that as it, if it's fair, fair to say, like because I want to make sure I'm saying things correctly, but it's just that black lives are seen to not matter as much as other lives or, or white lives, basically. So that's kind of the message of it. But people get caught up in it. It's like, well, whoa, whoa, like we matter, too. And it's like you do, but you don't need help right now.
2: Exactly, 100%. You know, there's a lot of analogies like, you know, if there's a house on fire and, and the other houses mm. come over and be like, well, my, I have a house too. Doesn't my house matter? It's like, well, your house is not on fire right now, so we're going to take care of one house that's on fire right now. And I think that some people put an imaginary only in front of All Lives Matter, like only, all li- or, or, sorry, only Black Lives Matter. And it's not that. It's like right now the focus is on Black Lives Matters because we just saw this event in front of our eyes. And I 100% believe that once things start changing in this direction, it is going to trickle down to all the other marginalized communities. Like, everybody is going to see a shift and change. If if racism and systemic racism begins to be abolished, like all other communities, whether it be LGBTQ, uh, Arabs, Asian communities, The Indigenous communities and any other communities that have been marginalized and have felt the oppression of a a, 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 a white systemic systemic society, like they are going to be affected as well. And so for the positive and so. When people try to distract from the Black Lives Matter movement, I find that to be problematic. It's because I feel like it's the most important one right now that's going to be able to really help and affect all others with like kind of a trickle-down effect.
0: Well, I feel like if all of the people who have been oppressed united, it would be quite a movement in general. If you had women, LGBTQ, gay men, There's so many people who experience oppression, if all of those people took to the streets or like, not even took to the streets necessarily, because that sounds like riotous and protesting, but like, I just imagine like hundreds of thousands of people on top of what we're seeing now, even just like standing outside their nation's capitals being like, I'm done.
2: And I think that that is happening, to be honest. Like, I've seen a few pride parades, I don't know if they're parades or pride protests that's been happening um, within the last week or so. And hundreds of thousands of people have been coming together and in in solidarity amongst one another. So I do feel as though people are coming together in in that fashion. And I think it's really... Powerful and really positive, and it's one of the things that Carson Tuck or Tucker Carlson has been saying that BLM, the movement, that's the new pandemic, and that's what we that's what we need to fight against. And I'm completely opposed to that because I feel that you know it is st- still bringing everybody together because especially like the other marginalized group, they understand what's going on with Black Lives, and so they're standing in solidarity. Like, let's get this together. We are all working together because. Once we shift one, it's everybody's going to be. It's going to shift for everybody,
1: hundred percent. Yeah, and and the people will start to to build up, and the public will speak because I think it's it's hard for people before any of this went down to even speak up because then, like I said, they put a target on their back, and then they get berated on social media and told that they need to stop making comments like this, even though even though they are supportive comments trying to you know tell other people that are being bigoted or racist that they need to stop saying what they're saying you know like they feel singled out but if everyone collectively raises their voices and it just slowly starts to ramp up then like it's just going to outnumber like eventually the people that are still held in those you know old belief systems of seeing people differently that are minorities are are going to be exposed and they're either going to have to you know change their mentality or they're probably going to lose whatever business they are running.
2: Exactly. I mean, a lot of people have been held accountable for past words that they've said. You know, as a person that loves reality television, I watch Vanderpump Rules. It's kind of fluff. (laughs) (laughs) super poignant, and four of its main stars were fired for racist comments that they said in the past or racist actions, and one being their main star, Stasi, who I've grown to really like and appreciate. She used to be a pretty, pretty horrible human being, but I do feel that she has shifted and grown, but Bravo is holding her accountable for the fact that her and another castmate basically racially profiled another... A, Well, the only black female castmate on the show, and they talked about it on her podcast being like, oh, yeah, well, you know, there was there's all these there was a woman that was going around drugging men and then robbing them. We think that it's this woman faith. And they actually called it in, like, to try to get her arrested for a crime that she didn't do, only because she was a Black woman, that they were just going to use her as to racially profile her and have her maybe be arrested by the cops. And so Faith started speaking out about this, obviously, because... She heard about it, you know, a couple of years ago, but she never said anything. And now is the time to be speaking. And A, she's getting backlash. People say like, oh, she's just trying to jump on the bandwagon and have her two, 15 minutes of fame here. But Stasi did get fired. And I was even grasped, grappling with like, is firing the right thing to do? And I'm like... Because they're like, oh, you should teach. She should be taught and educated, and sh- share the, the you know her, what she's learned and how she's grown. But I'm like, I think that the firing needed to happen to show that like it's no not tolerant anymore. And a lot of different you know, especially reality television shows have been firing some of their castmates for things that they said that were racially inappropriate, insensitive, or downright wrong in the past. And so it's interesting, definitely, to see people having to you know pay their dues in a different way
0: it'll be interesting too to see how it continues to expand in a similar fashion to me too like it sounds a lot like that in the entertainment industry what we're seeing now is the same thing we saw with that movement where it started with women and then you saw like Kevin Spacey pay for like what he had done to Anthony Rapp and like countless other young men and if it continues in this vein then hopefully we'll just continue to see this call out in different categories of like oppression and stuff like that whether Hopefully we'll get to the point where it's not about the color of your skin or whether you're male or whether you're female, but this is not the way that we treat other humans and sorry, gotta go
2: definitely happening. Um, Even astrologically, that's kind of what is going on. We're kind of moving from Capricorn energy, which is very male, very work, very patriarchal, into Aquarius energy, which is, uh, you know, the divine feminine and love, harmony and compassion. And so this shift happens once every 30 years. And so when it happened before, it was like going from the hard rock era into the grunge era, where people were being more expressive with, like, how they were presenting their music. And then before that, it was like 1959 to 1960, there was another revolution. I think it was another music revolution around that time as well. And so this, you know, it it, it is in the stars that something's going to be shaken up. And on the other side of it, there is going to be the oasis. There is going to be the love, the compassion that we are wish that we were having right now, but we kind of have to go through all this ick and come out the other side a little bit
1: more loving and <laughs> tolerance yeah it's just it's just a shift that needs to happen mentally to 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 notice the the biases that we have created and live by and yeah like starting to call it out and if there was things like you said on networks that people have said in the past like confront those people and see if they still think that way and if and if anything else comes up then it's like no 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 like that's that we're not letting that slide anymore you know and just as we're kind of wrapping things up here, I wanted to touch on something. Another one of your posts that you had was talking about how you said that you wanted to focus on trying to build people up rather than tearing people down. So I'm just curious, like in your experience, like within even within your own groups or within the Black community, do you notice that there is more building up, or is there or is there a tendency to like point the finger and tear people down?
2: I feel as though the people that are scared of change tend to point fingers and, you know, kind of bully and blame a little bit. And it's understandable because, you know, if you've been experiencing your life in one certain way and you've, you've benefited from it, and that's all that you really know, to feel as though that's being taken away from you then I, I totally understand how people have been can lash out. And so it's been challenging to you know to not want to be vocal and mean and and you know cut people down. but I am trying to whenever I share with even with somebody that's kind of attacking me, I do my best to approach it with compassion and you know how I educate just be like listen this is I feel like it's problematic, this is why. And then I usually give resources and kind of leave it to that bit. I don't think I have, I, I mean, I may have by accident, but I don't think I've ever come and attacked anybody's like actual character or actually like, you know, how they look or how they're, like, I don't I don't think I do I have made any low blows, we'll say. And so that's kind of how I've been approaching it is kind of just saying why I feel something might be problematic offering some resources and not going low blow, no low blows. That's how I'm trying. That's how I'm I'm doing my best.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like keeping it about the issue and not dragging, not like stooping to their level and being like, listen here, you fucking whatever, you know, just like, Hey, you know, I don't agree with this and here's why. And here's some stuff that you should check out.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I I try to do that. And like, I'll scream at home. and be like, "Ah!" and then I'll be like, okay, come back calmly, come back, come back with love, because, you know, people want everybody to be lashing out, and want Mm -hmm. to be able to say, like, no, you're bad, see, okay, like, they, they want to have an excuse to not be looking at what's actually been going on, and they want to deflect it from, like, what the movement actually means, and yes, I understand how the looting and the rioting can be distracting, but, like, Let's get back to the, why are they doing that? Why do they feel compelled to to express themselves that way? Like, come back to, I try to bring people back to the actual issue, not like all the periphery of, you know, potentially violence or whatnot.
0: And it does distract. The riots, you're exactly right, they are distracting. Those things are distracting. But people like to get riled up. It's crazy even how much the media has shifted away from, like, COVID to, like, protesters killing other protesters and da-da-da. We're not talking, like, that's what's happening and that's what we're seeing, but what's really going on? Exactly. And even as hesitant as I was to possibly have this episode and saying the wrong thing or maybe not putting the perfect message out there, I really think it's about just looking a little bit deeper and trying to understand, and hopefully through having you on here and hearing your experiences, people will take that away today, you know? and violence just begets more violence, and I think your approach to just being kind and here's the information. Like, you can't fight facts. I mean, you could try, and you can hit below the belt, but this is what's happening, you know? Why? What's what's really going on? Taking a deeper look, you know? And if you break it down to something simpler for people to analyze, if you're living with somebody and they're upset, and they're crying or they're like freaking out is it about the freak out no it's about something else is going on that's deeper for them and the message right now is something deep has been going on for a long time that just needs attention and it's being presented to us and manifested in a very different way because of those deep-seated emotions and people
2: 100%. at least
0: that's how it feels from someone on the outside
2: no. And that's exactly why I'm always just so surprised when people are distracted by, you know, just all the periphery. You know, it's like, these are really hurt people. They're just really hurt. And it just reminds me, there was this one little TikTok that like I watched and it was, well, obviously it made me cry because it's making me cry right now, but it was this young black boy in the States probably maybe maybe 14 or 15 and he just goes through a list of all the things that his mom taught him about being black in America and it was things like don't put your hands in your pocket don't wear a do-rag when you're driving a car don't wear a wife beater when you're dragging a car don't look at a white woman for too long and it's like just listing off just like basic little things that his mom is teaching him to not get killed and like that's that's what a lot of black men have been they that's their life is all about trying not to get killed like even in canada it happens like my brother drives a nice car he gets pulled over every single day every single day he has to show his his license and registration because they think it's a stolen car my father drives a nice car he lives in the states now but, you know, he st- also has to, you know, endure that. And my stepmom is white. And so my my half-sisters, they're both mixed race. And they go through, like, you know, racial... Like, they live in a gated community. Are they supposed to be living there? People calling the cops on them. Well, I don't know about this particular situation. But, you know, seeing a Black person in a gated community, like, it hasn't happened to them, but it's happened to people in, that they know. And, you know, just that is that is just that's hurtful (laughs) like it's just something that you go through all the time always expecting to not to try not to get killed today or arrested today or you know uh, you have charges put against you like whatever it is but that's been my human experience like my brother's human experience my dad's human experience is just trying not to get (laughs) killed.
0: I think it's important to say too that this isn't just a North American issue. I have a very close friend and she was dating an Indian woman for quite some time and they actually went home to India to visit his family and they had booked a hotel and it was a relatively nice hotel and when they got there because they were an interracial couple, they would not allow them to stay. So... This is not a North American problem. It's not just an American problem. It's not just a Canadian problem. This is a problem we're dealing with in all different types of the world in terms of racial oppression and social justice issues everywhere.
2: Absolutely. Can't hide from it, especially when it has to do with skin color. <laughs> you can't you can't hide from it at all.
1: And I really liked at the very beginning the thing that you said about being in in like a meat suit. So do you do you, do you very much attest to the idea of being a spirit a spiritual being living a human experience?
2: Yes, I definitely i I find myself to be a quite a spiritual person. You know, I, I you know bring a lot of spirituality into my daily life, and I do believe that all of us have chosen to be here on this planet at this time, and the ones who. understanding what's actually going on we are here to actually be the light we are the ones that chose to come to be part of the facilitator of this great revolution this great change that's happening on planet Earth we could have chosen to come at any time in history but we wanted to be here our souls wanted to be here in order to help you know send the love and the compassion in this great change and so I do think of this as a meat suit because I've had a lot of psychic experiences so I know that uh, there's more out there than just my body, but this is allowing us to have a physical experience. And we all did choose to be here and, and we are playing our roles with, you know, how this change is happening. So it's kind of, it's in a weird way, it's kind of cool that we're here. Cause like 50 years from now, this, what's happening right now will be something our kids' kids study in school. So I think that's pretty, It's gonna make me cry, but it's pretty cool. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel while you're in the middle of it. But when this all, is all said and done and you're, you know, sitting down with your kids and talking to them about it and what was going on during that time, it's it's going to be crazy.
2: Where were you
0: when? Yeah.
1: But maybe we can have you on another time to talk more about spirituality and some of the experiences you've had around that. Oh, my <laughs>
0: like grandmother was a medium.
1: <laughs> Ooh. that's interesting. But, uh, yes. Is there is there any last little insight that you would like to leave our guests with?
0: I mean, I
2: think the the best thing, we, we've been talking about it through all the way through, is just how to be an ally. And I think how to really be an ally is to educate yourself and, you know, off, offer a little bit of critical thinking, <laughs> just a little bit sometimes. And, you know, stepping in and being an ally, because sometimes my voice isn't heard to say a white person, they don't necessarily hear what I'm saying. It's too, it's, they're too removed from my human experience. And so, you know, if you can offer your words of wisdom to, to them, because sometimes they can hear you a lot better than they can hear me. And so I think that just white people speaking to white people about what's going on and, you know, and educating them from what you've learned. I think that will be the
1: most effective way to, to continue to facilitate this change. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Chantel. It was a great pleasure to have you. And I I learned a lot from what you've talked about today as well. And it's, I'm still wrapping my head around a couple of things.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I got stories for days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of, um, I think as somebody who doesn't look at those divisions, like regularly, I don't look for them. And like, fortunately, in my life experience, I haven't experienced a lot of them, even with my friends or other associates. It's shocking sometimes to hear what the experiences of other people have been. And That's why I'm so glad that I uh, pulled up my big girl pants, thanks to my buddy Ryan, and we actually did this episode, because I think it's important for people to hear different perspectives and tap in and feel people's life experiences that are different than theirs. Because to me, that's the most human way that we're going to reach people and hopefully open up people's minds to change. So just thank you for sharing your story and being with us this afternoon and enlightening me a little bit and hopefully a bunch of other people today.
2: Thanks for having me. It's it's good to know that I'm, I'm like a normal person and I've had all these experiences. So yeah. I think it brings brings everybody closer together to know that your friend, your neighbor may have like had a lot that they've gone through, a lot that they've experienced. And I think it will also help uh, to have compassionate kind of compassion to others because if you realize that somebody that you didn't even consider that might have been facing any social injustices really overtly, anyways, that you know it will help people come together because they can see see you know the strife in other now in their neighbor and in their friends and so I think that it's a that's a really positive thing to be able to share so
1: well thank you again thanks thanks Chantel thank you have a good day you too hey everybody so I hope you enjoyed this episode with Chantel if you have any thoughts on anything that was said here feel free to reach out to us at our email, which is havealittleinsight at com. We're also on Facebook. You can send us a message there. We're just havealittleinsight. And on Instagram, we are Hallie Podcast. That's H-A-L-I podcast. And if you go to our website, havealittleinsight.com, we have all of the resources listed there in the show notes.
0: If you are going to comment and you do have something to say, just like we've asked previously in episodes where we tackle sensitive topics like this one, Please think before you comment, think of kindness, use your heart and use your mind. And uh, yeah, we'd be happy to hear from you.